Welcome back into the Bills Beat Podcast here. However, you are joining us, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. My name is Joe Biscalia, along with Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. We are both recovered from the uh, the smut that Tim Graham put on our, our on our channel from, from the last guy. week. Nasty stuff. I, I, 10 out of 10 doctors would not recommend. Um, no, but thanks to Tim for coming on the, the last time around. But... Uh, Today we trudge on because the Bills are up against the New England Patriots on Monday night, a game in which, as of, I think, Thursday, the line was 14. Is that still accurate? Do you know offhand? 14 is the last line I've seen. Okay, well, 14-point line at home, which would, which would mean 17 on the road in normal uh, Vegas lore, I guess. It's not, it, it's not looking like it's going to be pretty. But the Bills are 1-0 and this year when they are 17-point dogs, though. So <laughs> they've got that going for them. But they're not actually 17-point dogs. So Theoretically, though. The- theoretically, yes. Um, so the Bills are taking on the Patriots. But this week is still a compelling one because when you have what is setting up to be probably a pretty interesting day for the Bills on Tuesday of next week, which is the trade deadline. And of course, we know what the Bills are right now. They have a 2-5 and five record. Odds are, by this time next week, they're going to be 2-6. and six. Um, And it's not looking like it's going to be a very positive season for them. And they do have some, well, at least one tradable asset. And so that's where I wanted to kind of steer this discussion because, you know, the Monday night game, we're going to be really diving into the game, what they did right, what they did wrong. Maybe we'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit, but I think this is really our last shot to to discuss this because right now in my mind, Matthew, and you can throw in other names if you want to, I think you have LaShawn McCoy, you have Kelvin Benjamin, if you can get something for him, and maybe Charles Clay. I'm probably on the outside of that. But there are at least tradable assets. But I think the larger discussion here is... Jerry Hughes probably another one. Jerry Hughes maybe, but I don't know if He's they want... He's tradable. Yes. He's the most tradable. Yes. But not the one they most want to trade. Right. Would probably be the, the way to put it. Maybe throw Ramon Humber in there. Just starting off my own streak. If you he, have you have the Blaine Gabbard streak. Someone called me out. He's like, hey, did you realize you've had a Ramon Humber streak? So, here we go. Ramon does Humber that streak. Blaine Gabbard mention qualify? Ah! <laughs> you added to the streak. It's team streak now, really. Gah! I'm sorry to the Bills table. And Ramon Humber is punched. now another episode in. I would say Ramon Humber is a more egregious streak to have than Blaine Gabbard. <laughs> One plays for the team. <laughs> The other does not. In theory. <laughs> okay, in theory. Are you just going to chime in today going, yeah, in theory. Um, so, yes, the trade deadline is here, and maybe four names that, that we've trotted out there that, that could be a tradable asset for the Buffalo Bills. My question is, because three of those names are on the offensive side of the ball, and, of course, Josh Allen, not playing right now, uh, still has the elbow sprain, and still kind of working out, doing some uh, wind sprints off, off on the sideline. What is this year about? Is Do you need to keep those assets? Because I'm sure this is the discussion that the Bills are probably having 
here. Are you on the side of keeping those assets because maybe they'll help him develop? Because without them, then it gets to be an even worse situation? Or do you deal them for potential players or picks that can turn into players that play into your future? It's a very, uh, you know, you can make the argument one side or the other here, but uh, I'm interested to know what, what your initial impulse is with that. I mean, it, it depends entirely on the assets that we're talking about because if it's a couple of fifth-round picks, then, you know, maybe it's worth getting rid of LaShawn McCoy and Kelvin Benjamin. But I don't know. I think that's the line where it starts to get a little bit blurry you said fifths fifths okay because fifth round picks aren't super valuable but they're assets that you can use to move up in other rounds totally right or assets that you just have at your disposal i mean matt milano was a fifth round pick um you know so you occasionally uh, you don't get lucky in the fifth round if you don't have picks in the fifth round and so your odds go dramatically down of finding a good player in that round but it's still worth having those assets if we're talking six and seventh round picks is all you're getting in return i just don't see the point because those picks are the ray ray mcleods and austin proles of the world and you don't need any more of those and so tanner vallejo as well right guys that probably don't make the team in an ideal world a lot of teams don't keep their sixth and seventh round picks um so that's sort of the balance you strike. The other question is how much are Kelvin Benjamin and LaShawn McCoy really helping Josh Allen's development anyways? Absolutely true. I think the problems Josh Allen has been having, and it, we've talked about it a little bit before, they're not necessarily problems that you know LaShawn McCoy or Kelvin Benjamin can fix. Mm-hmm. I think there are times where guys come open and Josh Allen hesitates too long to pull the trigger and so and you know kelvin benjamin isn't exactly one of the guys coming up open all that often he's a nice security blanket for josh allen to have but josh allen hasn't done anything with him anyways yeah Derek anderson did the most with kelvin benjamin of any of the quarterbacks so far right and so maybe josh allen maybe that's just not a fit maybe there's not you know chemistry there i don't know what it is but it's not like that's been his binky. Uh, and LaShawn McCoy, to a similar extent, you know, the running game hasn't really gotten going. They've had a tough, you know, early season schedule, um, you know, against some good run defenses. So McCoy hasn't even been stellar um, most weeks. He's had he's had some flashes of brilliance. So I mean, Chris Ivory has even been passable. Right. I mean, and same you, with Marcus Murphy when he's not in pass protection. So th- the things you want to see josh allen developing and growing aren't areas that those guys are necessarily going to help him in you know the staying in the pocket you know if we're talking about trading away you know one of the top linemen on the team that might be a different question because he's already having very little confidence in his offensive line you know that certainly wouldn't help matters but if he Think about the problem that I think is most apparent in Josh Allen's game, maybe even bigger than the pocket presence issue, is throwing guys covered, so to speak, yeah. and not throwing guys open. Uh, you know, th- 
throwing to the point where waiting for guys to come open so long that by the time you throw it, they're covered. And so ideally a receiver that would help him would be a guy that gets separation quickly. Obviously that guy's not on the roster and that is the opposite of Kelvin Benjamin. He does not get open quickly. In fact, most of the time he's covered Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of trust him and just put the ball up there. And Josh Allen hasn't developed that. But, but to Allen's, I guess, credit here, he did try that earlier in the season, and Kelvin Benjamin did nothing for him. Well, and that's the there other are thing. multiple does, drops, he, there are multiple instances where he just did not help out the quarterback. And in that's those why parts. he doesn't. He clearly doesn't trust him. And there's times where he's been open on certain routes, and for whatever reason, Josh Allen doesn't pull the trigger. And it might be what you're talking about that he hasn't come through, and you know he's even seen probably on tape of that Nathan Peterman you know, interception and, you know, seeing plays where Kelvin Benjamin has been costly to this team. And so mm-hmm. is he going to trust him going forward? He probably trusts him just as much as any of the other guys who aren't performing that well. But I don't think he's trusting him more than anybody else, which would mean, you know, what are you giving up? Mm-hmm. You know, the only problem with that is he's he makes a good amount of money and he's not playing that well. And it's not a huge secret across the league that he's not playing that well and so you wonder what the market would be yeah i i think the break-even point for him for me would be what you talked about the fifth the fifth round pick because i think anything past that is just a dart throw at that point um and for him i think you could at least stand to think that you could possibly attain a fifth round pick in the comp formula for him because I do think there will be somewhat of a market for him I don't think it's going to completely fall flat but I don't think I'm not expecting him to go out there and get you know money let's say even like Robert Woods got uh but I don't think they're even going to be in the comp pick conversation true because they're they're going to spend a lot yeah or maybe they won't but the they should be looking to spend some of that $90 million they have. And if they, you know, make enough, you know, bring in enough qualifying free agents, then they're not going to get the comp pick. So maybe this is the way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, I mean, we're, we all know that Brandon Bean is all about collecting assets, collecting draft assets, because he, he wants to build his team through the draft. And I'm sure it's probably not going to look the best if, he trades a third for this guy and then turns around and flips him for a fifth. But it's also a little bit different of a situation because at that point, Benjamin still had time left on his contract. And so that makes him a little bit more valuable. Um, also, he was playing better last year, which also made him more valuable. But And it, the it, Bills were a little bit desperate they yeah. were feeling themselves a yeah. little bit yeah it was still a whip get no Tyrod matter what. taylor a weapon and they tried and failed so the funny thing is that while brandon bean you know the philosophy has been you know that they want to collect picks and things like that the last year or so they haven't totally done that they collected it to trade it (laughs) and they because they traded up you know they gave up a ton of picks to move up and get josh allen they gave up picks to move up and get tremaine edmonds they gave up a pick for kelvin benjamin so yeah they collected the picks only to 
you know, kind of give them back in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, I suppose the the quarterback thing, you go and get your guy at all cost to a point. Um, and then the – but that's what happens when you kind of paint yourself into a corner where you need to get your quarterback now. And then – but the Edmonds thing, you know, I think he's been playing well, and I think he probably has a long you know, future in this league. But that's another one where you could have sat put and then, you know, get whoever falls to 20 and then have another third-round pick to maybe find another. I mean, you found Harrison Phillips in the third round. So Mm -hmm. there's good players to be had. So the collecting picks, maybe they'll stick by that a little bit more uh, heading into next season. Yeah, I I think maybe they stand by that, and maybe on draft day – they go into the opposite mode of what they were last year, where they sell, especially if they wind up with a top five, let's say even top three pick in in this upcoming NFL draft. I think there is a legitimate uh, case to be made to where, I mean, the top guys on the uh, in the draft, if you if you're reading mock drafts right now, basically all play on defense outside of uh, the Oregon quarterback, and they don't even know if, if he's going to com- uh, commit to the draft. I broke this down. Dane Brugler, uh, who used to work at CBS, now works at The Athletic, had his midseason board, 10 D linemen, two quarterbacks, three cornerbacks, a safety, two linebackers, an offensive tackle, and a tight end Yeah, in the top 20. That's the top 20 players. You so, know what you didn't say there? Wide receiver. Wide receiver. And one offensive tackle was in the teens. Uh, it was the guy from Alabama. Ole Miss. Oh, it's Little. the Ole Miss kid. Jonah yeah. Williams is somewhere in the, the 20s. Gotcha. Um, so a lot of D-line talent, a lot of pass rusher talent. Uh, Which still might be up the Bills alley here. It could. And so because they are getting, early warning. Yeah. Brace yourself for that. Yeah. But well, that com- Go ahead. the strengths of this draft at the top don't line up with, you know, what they need most desperately although they do need some help on the defensive line going into the future i mean i've heard some people want to compare this wide receiver class to the 2014 class there's just not the guys at the top there's really not and uh you know there there are some good players probably to be had in the the second third round but the interesting thing about it is, and I guess we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but that's what a podcast you know, is for. We, yeah, it's our it's our goddamn podcast. We'll go on tangents if we want to. There are the other thing about wide <laughs> you receivers were looking for that a I was going to say. Give you nothing. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say about wide receivers is, if you look at recent history outside of 2014, guys struggle early on, mm-hmm. and so if you're Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And you might be under some pressure to win in 2019, I would think. You know, I'm not saying their jobs are on the line in 2019, but their jobs aren't as safe as they were heading into this season. Right. Are you going to bank on a rookie wide receiver that you take in, you know, the second round being the guy that turns your franchise around? You're probably going to have to spend a little money in free agency you, you, and overpay in free agency to do it. And you know who I'm going to bring up because I brought him up on the last podcast. Devin Funches. Devin Funches is, is, you know, is the guy, but then at you, least in my mind. That would be huge if the Panthers don't bring him back. You're going to have to pay a lot of money because think about if you're a free, free agent wide receiver and somebody's trying to talk you into coming to Buffalo – no, nothing about the city. Forget the city. Somebody's trying to talk you into coming into 
the worst passing offense, one of the worst passing offenses in modern NFL history. Yeah, but if you have this sort of trade in you where it's like, hey, our passing offense was not there last year, but we think you can be the guy. We will feed you. The guy. We're talking 150 targets, baby. That That's, that's probably how they're going to sell it. And you know what? Devin Funches. I misspoke on the last podcast. I listened back and I said former first round pick. He's not. He's a second round pick. He was 41st overall, which is why he, they don't have the option for a fifth year. And which is why he's going to be getting out of uh, onto free agency, potentially, as a 25-year-old player. So, Assuming they don't franchise him, which I feel like no, they won't, no. because that's a lot of money for yeah. Devin Funches. Yeah. A lot of money that the Bills will be willing to pay. Um, and and they will have the money to do it. But he fits the profile of what Bean looks for. He's big. He's he's shown ability to to win contested catches. He's he, played he, for the Panthers. Played for the Panthers. Big big thing to have. He's to an, become a Buffalo Bill. He's uh, at least you can talk yourself into this. An ascending player. Definitely has has made huge leaps the last two years. And so Devin Funches. And I know I I got a few tweets. Uh, sent my way after saying it on last week's pod. They're like, oh, I hope they don't do that. Well, who the hell else is out there? I well, mean, you've got Tyrell Williams, Quincy Anunua, Cole Beasley, Kevin White, Jermaine Curse, John uh, Brown, Ryan Grant, Dante of, Moncrief. Of those, I mean, who has the best pedigree and is still an ascending player? The answer is Devin Funches. So, and the Panthers thing just puts it over the top because, hello. Brandon Bean helped draft him. Yeah. Is this thing on? That's like, you know, when when you've played for the Carolina Panthers, odds are you've got a shot to play for these Buffalo Bills. It's that simple. Geronimo Allison will be an RFA if they want to get cute with it. But, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of big-time players that are also young. And right. I think Which is what makes him unique in this free agent class. That's part of the, uh, the problem they're going to run into. So... I'll be interested to see, you know, what they do, what type of guys they go after, because I think it makes they have to bring in one of these guys, one of these veterans, take a shot at somebody in free agency to give an immediate boost to Josh Allen. There's also the trade market that's always an option, mm. but you want to give an immediate boost and then probably draft somebody too, because, you know, the we don't know what Zay Jones is really at this point. Mm. He might just be a three. And maybe he's a four. Who knows? And so you got to take some shots on day two and try to find some of these guys that can develop along with Josh Allen. But I do think he needs a crutch early on. Maybe it's a receiver. Maybe it's a tight end. Maybe it's both because Charles Clay could be on his way out as well. I mean, there's some names, I guess, on the uh, free agent market at tight end. But you're going to have to spend. And so... That may maybe that means you want to collect even more draft picks, trade right. back, or or do something along those lines to just give yourself more of a shot to fill the rest of the holes that you're undoubtedly going to need to fill along the offensive line and a uh, few holes on defense as well. Let's roll this back to the trade deadline because we've discussed Benjamin, but I think the real uh, uh, the real home run here, potential home run is. LaShawn McCoy because now it seems like he's practiced for the second straight day which is a great sign for someone in concussion protocol of course he has to 
pass the final tests with uh, with doctors just to make sure that they can actually clear him from concussion protocol. But still, what, what is it, three days out from the game? I feel like it's it's trending in the right direction, which is a bit of an upset considering that most players that go through concussion protocol and don't finish a game don't wind up playing the next week. I think the Bills kind of benefited from having an extra day here, definitely. So that leads us to his potential impact, uh, maybe not in the game, but on this trade market. Because that that was his injury when it was timed, or his concussion when it was timed, has made me go, oh, well, maybe, maybe now they can't even trade him if they wanted to. But I think this is the guy here. And I think they can actually get somewhat of a legitimate resource for him. I, I understand Carlos Hyde only got a fifth round pick. Carlos Hyde is not as talented as LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy still has another year left on his deal, too, if if uh, the team acquiring him wanted to have him for more than just a nine- or eight-game rental at that point. So all of it plays in to the point where if a team is looking for that push, we have seen already in this trade market that teams will get desperate for that stuff. Dallas Cowboys, they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. They just traded their first-round freaking pick for Amari Cooper. And I'm not saying the Bills are going to get a first-round pick for LaShawn McCoy. I think that would be just... An, uh, it's it's a dream scenario that won't come true. Unless John Gruden gets <laughs> drunk... On Tuesday, does some day drinking on Tuesday afternoon uh, and just decides to have some fun with yeah. one of his extra first-round picks. Yeah, you know. Other uh, than that, I don't think that will happen. If it does, right. I will be floored. Um, so I think you have to discuss what the break-even point is is here for LaShawn McCoy. I think you need to consider the position that he plays and also with his replaceability on the roster this year. And honestly, if they're going to be 2-6 and six heading into the trade deadline, if you can get, I think my break-even point is a fourth-round pick. If you can get a fourth-round pick for LaShawn McCoy, get that contract out of here, get the potential, I guess, the potential headache off the field, off, off the roster as well. And, I mean, you still have Chris Ivory and Marcus Murphy there, and, and they can adequately do the job. I think that's where, at that point in the season, you get an extra fourth-round pick. And a fourth-round pick, if you are a good or have a good scouting staff and you are a savvy evaluator, you can get a potential starter in the fourth round. And I think that is, uh, that is why that area of the draft is probably where I would, I would say, okay, halfway through the season... You got a deal. How about you? Yeah, I fourth round pick. I think you you don't even hesitate. To be honest, I mean, eventually Lashawn McCoy is going to leave, and you're going to get nothing for him. Yes. So, at that point, you know what will you, will you have gotten from 2018 on? Not much. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I get that. You know, the idea being the best way to support a rookie quarterback is with a good running game. Well. As you pointed out, they had a pretty good running game last week without him. Mm -hmm. And 
Same with Minnesota, too. They haven't really had one with him. You know, it hasn't been, and that's not a LaShawn McCoy problem. It's an offensive line problem. But he's that just speaks to that position in general mm-hmm. of the value of it. And so, yeah, if you can get a four or even a five, I, I would say you get the contract off the books and you get the headache out of here. And I don't think it's going to happen, though. I, I really don't. Uh, maybe it will. I just don't think he's going to have enough value. Carlos Hyde getting a fifth-round pick in return, a younger guy you know, with more mileage still on his legs, not nearly the player, but you know, you're probably getting more run there. I think that kind of shows you the value. There's also some other, you know, teams might focus on Le'Veon Bell. Uh, maybe there's a chance to maybe. swing a trade there. I mean, it would take a unique situation, I think. It could happen. There's, it's, it's a non-zero chance, but I'm leaning towards it not happening um, at the moment. See, I'm, I'm kind of on the flip side. I, I'm leaning towards it happening because I think Brandon Bean – understands what his roster is and I don't think it was happenstance that when the initial LaShawn McCoy reports came out um, that uh, you know there was an additional report saying uh, what they were looking for and it being a pretty aggressive thing and that he factors into both 2018 and 2019 I think that's just Brandon Bean sending a message through the league saying listen guys you're not going to take us for nothing here. Like, it needs some value on, on return for a guy who could be a pro bowler in with the right team, with the right system. So, I don't know. I, I think his proclivity to deal is what brings me back here. I think on the flip side, I don't know if they will be able to deal Kelvin Benjamin. I'm sure they probably want to. But I don't think that the break-even point that we're talking about, a fifth-round pick, like if it's a sixth- or seventh-round pick, what the hell's the point? Just keep that guy on your roster. But if it's a fifth, then you get Kelvin Benjamin out of here. But I'm not sure they can get that. With LaShawn McCoy, I think you can get a fifth. I think you might even be able to get a fourth for him. And then it comes to the point where you have to look at your team because three and five and two and six are vastly different. And if... They are indeed two and six. That means the season is done. Like, really done. And it's looking like they're going to be two and six because they're playing Monday Night Football against Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and the New England Patriots. But I think they need to get to that point to where they sit there and go, all right, well, this is what we are. This is what we are this year. Take advantage of those opportunities. And so... I think he could get some value out there. I really do. So if I had to guess right now, I would say LaShawn McCoy is on another roster this time next week and Kelvin Benjamin is here. I'm going to say they're both still here Oof. because... That would be a loss for the, for Brandon Bean. I think so, but I think ultimately the value won't be there on either guy. And I think that's going to be what stops him from making a deal on LaShawn McCoy. They like LaShawn McCoy. He's a captain they can afford him you know the contract isn't a problem for them i feel like they've cleaned up the salary cap about as much as they can hope to outside of getting out of the charles clay contract after this season so i think they'll weigh all that they'll get some half-assed offers that don't match what they want 
and they'll probably decide to just keep him around keep his because as you said at two and six the season is essentially over the season is really over if in the locker room if you trade LaShawn McCoy and I think they're going to try as best they can to protect against that and they'll view that as more valuable than a fifth or sixth round pick a four maybe prize them prize them loose I just don't think they'll get that off. well hang on I, I think I think there's a discussion to be had there <clears throat> excuse me because while that might be what one entity of the bills would like to happen that being Sean McDermott saying valuing the whole locker room thing Brandon Bean is going to go to him and say look Sean I can get you a player for longer outside of just these just these 8 weeks if uh, if if I deal this guy and honestly when it comes to the decision on who is on the actual roster from everything that we know that's Brandon Bean's call i mean would i think it's a bit more than that i think if you look at the amount of money they spent on defense and you know go, getting aggressive to go get Tremaine Edmonds Harrison Phillips i think they share a vision for the most part and i think Sean McDermott has a lot of say and well, sure. what they do. I well, think sure. there are certain call. I don't know that it's a final call type of thing where I'm going to trade away one of your captains, whether you like it or not. But it's also a... Unless he goes rogue. It, <laughs> what up, Doug? Um, it's also part of Brandon's job to be that, I guess, differing opinion from Sean and say, this is why this can benefit us in the long term, as opposed to now, just there's the short-sighted also, thinking. There's also the possibility that they, you know, I think a lot of this has been under the assumption that he won't be on the team in 2019, LaShawn McCoy, that is. Maybe that's in their plans. It could be. Maybe I mean, that's, that's in their back they... pocket where they think he's got, he's got just the one year left, 2019, right? Yep, Maybe it. they think, look, we're going to have all this cap space and we still think he can play. Sure, we'll be overpaying him, but, you know, maybe they want to keep him around through 2019. I mean, that's a part of this equation as well, where we're thinking, hey, you've only got eight games left with this guy. Now, still, would it make sense to trade him for a fourth-rounder? I think so, because, (laughs) honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you can find a running back who will be just as effective in 2019 in the fourth round. 100%. Or the third round. Certainly you can in the third round. For Teams about, have done it. For about $10 million cheaper. Right. And, uh, $8 million. And cheaper, he'll sorry. be 10 years younger. So that's, <laughs> you know, a, a part of it as well. But if they really like LaShawn McCoy and they, you know, believe in this veteran in every position room, which is a new thing apparently they believe in because – they went into the season without one at quarterback. Yes. But Sean McDermott mentioned, I think it was last week, how he loves to have a veteran in every room. Yes. Except he didn't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, new happened. thing that dawned on him, I guess. But if that's a thing, then maybe they would, because they need to get younger at the running back position. That's sort of an, something that isn't talked about all that often, but they're going to have to draft a running back at some point next year. I, I think it would be ridiculous if they didn't. And so... Assuming they do that, maybe they want LaShawn McCoy to still be there to bring that guy along or whatever. And so I don't think you really need that. I think at running back, unlike quarterback, 
not to not saying there isn't you know things you need to learn as a running back mm-hmm. but guys can come in and at least figure it out on the fly and you want to get as much out of that cheap contract as you can and so i don't know if i'm all in on that strategy but i could very much see these guys thinking hey we can keep LaShawn mccoy through 2019 we can easily afford him and he can bring along a young running back and make it so the young running back doesn't have to carry the load. They could. I I think that would be somewhat of a, a, a missed opportunity. Um, just but just if my mind. But if they're thinking, they, they know LaShawn McCoy up close. They know more than, because we've talked about a few times this year how hard it is to tell even eight games into this season or seven games into this season how much he has left mm-hmm. because he's running behind a terrible offensive line. Maybe they think that, hey, you know, this guy still has enough juice to be not just a good running back, but a really good running back in 2019. And if our jobs are even going to be remotely in the balance, we want all the good players we can get. And so yeah. we should keep that guy. Yeah. Um, and he can find some usefulness you know, we've talked about the way he plays and how he can probably extend his career a few more years because of that. So I think maybe there's a, an element at play where a lot of people assume he's gone after this year either way, but that they're thinking about keeping him around. And that that's a good point, but you also don't want to be on the side of it where you had the opportunity and let's say the speed goes next year and you, you ran that risk by not dealing him for a solid asset, and then you have a running back who can't move the same way that he once did, and he's on your roster for, what is it, $8 million, $9 million next year? So it's it's a very complex discussion, but at the end of the day, what you have to... This is the term that Sean McDermott used on Thursday in discussing about who they are and that knowing their weaknesses. He said, we're self-aware. Well, be self-aware about this, too. Because while it's great on the short term to have a plus running back like like uh, LaShawn McCoy, he's not doing a whole hell of a lot for you right now. And I think having going to Chris Ivory and Marcus Murphy, and Chris Ivory signed for longer than just this year, is he not? I believe he is. So, when you, deal, I think when you have Ivory still there, Murphy is still signed to a contract, and then you have a potential rookie to bring in, I mean, not necessarily the worst situation in the world. Plus, you can really sign a, a vet on the cheap, too, if you really wanted to add another uh, uh, add another set of legs in there. So, it's it's not as though they can't get by without him. This is, We're talking about running backs in 2018. You don't need a 31-year-old LaShawn McCoy to help save your job. You know what's going to save your job? Josh Allen freaking learning how to throw throw guys open and learning how to feel the pocket. It's not anything to do with what LaShawn McCoy is going to do. So I, at the end of the day, I think if they do not deal LaShawn McCoy, that is a massively huge missed opportunity. Granted that they get an offer worthy. Like if someone's saying, we'll give you a six-round pick for him, screw it, I'm keeping him. But if it's a fourth-round pick, heck, if it's a fifth-round pick, I'm saying reluctantly for a fifth, I'll go, all right, let's make a deal. 
but you know, keeping him on the roster just in the, for instance, that you might have to be playing or coaching for your job next year. Whatever. That's like Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota right now trying to hang on to Jimmy Butler just for dear life even though he doesn't want to be here. It's kind of the this, this same sort of thing. I mean, you, you just you have to make decisions that are best for the long term, especially when you have a year like this. You, you have to make decisions that can help benefit you and build that base that you're talking about. And maybe that fourth round pick, maybe that fifth round pick is the difference between you getting a an offensive lineman that you really wanted that is probably going to go off the board a few picks ahead of you and and you need to move into that spot to go get him that can be you know perhaps a better friend on the long term to Josh Allen and his eventual development than it would be for one year of LaShawn McCoy and probably not much after that so I I just think it would be a missed opportunity. You know, you mentioned that it's a missed opportunity or that if they wait too long that they'll miss the window. I think they've already missed it. And they could have, yeah. Honestly, That's I absolutely thought right. either in the off season, and, you know, I admit that I thought before the 2017 season that they should have traded him. And you know what? I'll vouch for you. I remember having that discussion and, with you. And, you know, maybe that, in hindsight, isn't the smartest take or whatever because they made the playoffs and McCoy was a part of that albeit you know would they have made the playoffs without him maybe I mean look at every week when betting lines are out there they had Mike Tolbert that's true (laughs) if they had traded him I assume they would have done something else at the position but yeah that's probably point being a replacement level running back maybe they make the playoffs and Mike Tolbert probably not but so yeah I thought you know, back then that maybe the time was right to deal him when he still had a few years on his deal and you were in the business of clearing the cap and everything else and collecting picks to go get your quarterback. That's when I thought the window was. Now I think they probably missed it. And any return you get might not be worth whatever you think you can squeeze out of him, you know, down the line. And the only other element of this that I'll bring up that I think is potentially interesting would be if LaShawn McCoy wants out. And I've often thought that, I even said this before 2017, and, you know, McCoy got to play in a playoff game, but I said, you know, for his sake, as he's, you know, nearing the end here, we all know how important it is for him to get his yards and, you know, all that. But it's also pretty important to him that he wins. Yeah. uh, For his, he's very much about his legacy and, it's not to say he's not a team guy, but I think he's a LaShawn McCoy guy first. And he wants to win. And he's not going to do that here this year. And nope. they're probably not winning a Super Bowl next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will. I don't know. You know, who, who knows? That's a long way away. But his best chance to win is probably outside of Buffalo the next yep. couple of years. And maybe I don't think he would be the type to demand a trade out of here. But maybe he, you know, goes and says, hey, what's up with all these trade rumors? If there's a decent team, you know, if it's Philly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, maybe he'd be that, interested. That, that crosses off a lot of things on the ledger there. If it, if so it Philly. that's and, the only other thing I wonder. But I also found it pretty interesting that when this whole thing originally came up and then he was asked about it, he didn't like shoot it down. He 
He said, hey. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's up to the guys upstairs. It's not as though. Even last year when there was a lot of talk about his potential future, he was walking around the locker room, you know, engaging with reporters. Oh, what do you, you know, he ended up, he had, he sat down with Bean at one point because of the uh, trade rumors last Mm -hmm. year before the season. Maybe not even so much trade rumors as people saying, well, he must be next if, Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby and all these guys can get traded. Mm-hmm. So he was curious about it mm-hmm. and, you know, worried, half worried, maybe half curious. So I think that's a part of this where they'd be doing right by him. But again, he's a, he's a captain and they've chosen to make him a part of that lot, a big part of that locker room. And I don't totally agree with it, but it they've done it and they still stand by him. So We'll, I'll be interested to see how they handle it. And they're also one Patriots loss away from two and six. So, I mean, if to your point, if that's going to be, if they want to do right by LaShawn McCoy and if they care about what where he is, his situation, his well-being, everything like that, it might be in his best interest to trade him and then benefit in the process. All right. So, whew, trade deadline happening on Tuesday. We'll know uh, by, what was it, 4 o'clock the deadline? 4 o'clock on Tuesday about whether or not they are able to uh, move either LaShawn McCoy, Kelvin Benjamin, or both. Or maybe Charles Clay, Jerry Hughes. Probably not those two guys. But uh, but the first two guys that we talked about, those are really the ones to, to keep an eye on here. All right, let's quickly get into just a preview of this game, which I think we all kind of know what's, what's going to happen here. Um, Derek Anderson is starting again. We'll see if LaShawn McCoy can play. It's looking like he's he might be able to. Um, yeah, this is this has the potential to be a rough one. Um, I I think we'll, we should probably keep this brief because we don't want to bring the listeners down too too much here because this is a this is a daunting task and it seems like the Patriots are after a slow start, which it, I feel like we say this every year. After a slow start, the Patriots have kind of figured things out and. Uh, Tom Brady and company are are humming along here, so I, I don't I don't know where exactly they win in this matchup. No, they might be able to move the ball. The Patriots' defense isn't incredible, but I think, and I think if the defense is on its game, then they can slow the Patriots down. Mm-hmm. But even that is probably a twenty-plus point effort. I mean, the thing about the Patriots over the years has always been that there's always going to be a point in the game where they step on the gas, where they get it going. Even mm-hmm. the games where the Bills have slowed them down, there's been a drive or two, a span of seven or eight minutes, where all of a sudden the Patriots just start clicking. It happens mm-hmm. almost every time. And so that's what makes this one, you know, it, it's a shame that the first home Monday night game for Bills fans is going to be likely a blowout. Yeah. But, hey weirder things have happened can you imagine if Derek Anderson beat Tom Brady I I not really can't really imagine yeah. <laughs> hard to fathom to be honest he did he did move the ball better than I thought he was going to against the Colts but then again it was against the Colts and, and then again he did turn the ball over four times he sure did uh and the Patriots just so happened to have um, Stefan Gilmore, who Jeff Howe over at The Athletic just wrote, is starting to play at Darrell Rebus esque levels. So, 
I mean, it's, it's Patriots. Darrell Revis, I think, was the qualifier there. Was it? Yeah. Sure. So he's doing for the Patriots what Darrell Revis did, which was play damn well. Yeah. Right. When he played there. So. Right. So the Bills have their hands full. Um, ready for a Bills beat, Scoopy? My body's ready. I'm gonna whisper this. There is a chance that the Bills might not start Jordan Mills on Sunday. Ooh. How about this? They definitely won't start yeah. Jordan Mills on yeah. Sunday. Jer- Jeremiah. Because they play on Monday. Oh, gosh. That's a great point. Um, there is a chance Jordan Mills might not start on Monday either. Wow. Well, that, now that yeah. would be a lot more. That's a real humdinger. Um, I did spot today uh, Jeremiah Searles, who has been the sixth offensive lineman and today being Friday, we'll see if this continues on Saturday. Uh, I did not put this on Twitter, so, um, hey, it is a, a genuine Bills beat Scoopy here. Jeremiah Searles, who has been working as the sixth offensive tackle, he was working at right tackle today as Jordan Mills was working off to the side with the, with the assistant offensive line coach. And then before that was running scout team. So, draw into conclusions as you will. The last few times I've seen stuff like that, there has been there have been changes in the lineup, so it could be that Jordan Mills, who has hung around, God, with the starting lineup, way longer than his expected time in the starting lineup. I mean, kudos to him for hanging on as long as he did. So if he is indeed not starting on on Monday, then uh, then yeah, it'll uh, it'll definitely be a switch. But they need they need something because he has been brutal the last couple of weeks. I mean, he started off fairly well which is kind of what happened last year, too, and it's it's kind of gone away from him again. And um, I think they need to aim to be better, and they brought in Searles a few weeks ago, and I think they're, they're starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with him. What Joe is saying is get Searles into your DraftKings lineups. <laughs> Stack him with Derek Anderson. And Cam Phillips. And Cam Phillips. If you're feeling gutsy and want to go all in, Jason Kroom would be probably a nice value for you. Maybe Marcus Murphy if, if LaShawn McCoy is limited at all. So keep an eye on the pregame inactives. You might want to throw Marcus Murphy into your stack as well. But build it around Searles is what Joe is telling you. Joe is saying this, not me. Uh, it's, it doesn't sound like me. Very anti-gambling. Would never suggest anybody... Start Derek Anderson or pick him up in your 16-team dynasty league. But if he's available, Joe is endorsing it. I just feel like I'm being slandered. Um, All right. So that's going to do it for us here. We haven't even made a pick. We know what the pick is. Against the spread. Okay. that We were both wrong last week with against the spread. That's true. Yeah. 14-point spread. Can the Bills cover it? I have the Patriots winning and covering the spread. You? I'm going to say that the Patriots also cover this. Break. <laughs> it, I think it's going to be potentially ugly. But also, before we sign off, I have to give a special shout out to Dan Kadar's clock. Oh, I did see who this. Who was back in, our, uh, back in our lives, or we're back in his lives, I guess. He's bringing a son into this world in Ooh. a few weeks. He was asking, this could be a potential future Snap podcast topic. He's saying... A, probably a moral, moral dilemma a lot of Bills fans have had because he lives in Florida, last I checked. Mm-hmm. Um, unless he, you know, there's some beach in Buffalo that's sunny in January that I don't know about. 
Um, I would love to know that place. <laughs> he is wondering if he should allow his son to be a Bills fan or allow his son, I guess, to be a fan of another team or if he should bring him into the misery that is being a Bills fan. A very big dilemma. A, a bigger, an even bigger dilemma, I would say, when you don't live in Buffalo. Because in Buffalo, I mean, you know, you I, you got to root for the hometown team, I guess. And, I mean, you don't have to. No, you but, certainly don't. Um, it's easier to root for the hometown team because you can share your misery with others. Yeah, right. If you if you bring a son into this world and or a daughter in another state and force them to be a Bills fan, I don't know. It's... Some someone may need to get the authorities involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we'll, we can we can dig in, into that into a, a an off season episode It'll or be a new or maybe a week thirteen episode. Yeah, Who knows? That may be the off season at the, at the rate we're going. Yeah. And so Dan Kadar's clock, who always comes to the Bills beat for his life advice, uh, <laughs> he I gave I was saying a couple weeks ago when I told him he should listen to the games on the radio while he fishes. Because he said, should I go fishing or should I watch the game? I said, listen on the radio. Changed his life. <laughs> so if you have any life advice needs, you can bring them to the Bills beat, and we're here for you. Yeah, we are here for you. At Joe Biscaglia and at Matthew Fairburn. Okay, so we both have the Patriots uh, in this game. and Very I, ballsy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've, but not that we endorse gambling. No. But DraftKings, Joe says, Stack, How Searles, and Derek How- Anderson with... So- Cam Phillips. I'm not going to very say, important third part of the stack. I'm not going to sit here and continue to let Matthew Fairburn drag my name through the mud. One of these days, this stack is going to pay off, and some <laughs> Bills stack, beat listener. The stack out there, gets bigger though. Yeah, <laughs> some Bills beat listener is going to strike it rich. Weeks, They're going to win the million dollars. Week 17. That's when the stack's going to come true. Okay, so we're going to get going. Uh, this is a this is a Friday podcast. Bills fans, enjoy your weekend, your Bills-free weekend, and then you get to Monday night. And even though it's it's probably going to be a Patriots win, still should be a pretty fun environment, nonetheless. Monday night football at New Era Field. It's pretty cool. Um, so enjoy the weekend, and then uh, on Monday we shall see if A, LaShawn McCoy is ready to play, and if B, Derek Anderson can fuel one of the biggest upsets perhaps in bill's history and make bill's beat listeners rich in the process <laughs> all right for matthew fairburn of the athletic my name is joe biscali thank you everyone for listening we will talk to you after the game on monday see ya